You're listening to Oxfam India's Responsible Biz, where the conversation is about business, human rights, and the people at the center of it all. Hello, my name is Tri Radhakrishnan, and welcome to another episode of Responsible Biz. Continuing with the theme of decent work and dignity of labor, this episode specifically looks at textile and apparel workers in Bengaluru, Karnataka, where, according to official figures, there are approximately 1,200 garment manufacturing factories which employ over 500,000 workers. These factories and their workers cater to the domestic market, but majority of them are export-oriented and are part of global supply chains. So if you haven't heard our episode on global value and supply chains, I strongly recommend that you do. For this installment, I spoke to Rekha Chakravarti and Deepika Rao of Sividep India, an NGO based in Bangalore that works on workers' rights and corporate accountability. I should also add that this episode was recorded before the national lockdown was imposed due to the coronavirus pandemic. I asked Rekha about some of the key challenges and violations that are most common in this sector. So in in the garment supply chain basically it's a labor intensive um supply chain at the end of uh, at least at the first tier of the supply chain where where workers work in garment factories uh, to produce the clothes and large about 80% of uh, the workforce is women. and um, an average garment worker uh, comes from a, a very poor socioeconomic background uh, with um, uh, you know with um, either you know the education levels the literacy levels are quite low um, and also most of them come from uh, lower castes Uh, so this this is the demography um, of uh, most garment workers uh, they are uh, they contribute uh, their income is very important uh, to their households and they also juggle between paid work and care work so and all of this adds uh, to uh, to to the violations that they continue to face at the workplace as well and being a labor intensive uh, supply chain uh, what happens is workers at the end of the supply chain are uh, they, they usually take uh, the most amount of um, they usually face most amount of violations that uh, passed on from the beginning of the supply chain so the some of the biggest violations that we see in factories is uh, poor wages and that's um, that is the that is that is the main uh, one of the main issues uh, discrimination uh, among workers uh, in fact gender based discrimination uh, you also see gender based violence it manifests in very different ways uh, it could range from verbal violence physical violence uh, sexual harassment you know financial harassment uh, overtime work uh, and unpaid overtime work and um, absolutely um, no freedom of association so which is uh, which is very uh, factories are very hostile towards uh, any any forms of collective bargaining and unionization so these are some of the main uh, violations that we see in factories when we interview workers um, one uh, i mean one very obvious um, some of the obvious responses that we uh, when that we hear from them is um uh that there is there is no job satisfaction um we we see uh, you know they, they are working in conditions of uh, high work pressure and intensity uh, there is there is no job security uh, they they don't know if they're going to uh, continue in the job or if they will be terminated or dismissed um yeah and because of which they also suffer from uh, latent or even very active trauma uh they uh, one of the things that they complain most about is uh, verbal harassment and an attack on their dignity and their personhood 
uh, all kinds of words are used against workers so and that is a that is a big so point among workers uh, that there is there is no respect and basic respect and dignity afforded to them um and also uh, for the fact uh, they, they also talk a lot about how they have to juggle between uh, paid work and care work uh, they are they are responsible for both of it in uh, uh, you know taking care of their households taking care of their children uh, elderly parents or in laws at home and this and is essentially because yes. most of the workers are women yes most of the workers are women it's also because of the gender division of labor in society at large so uh, so yeah they juggle between both of this um, and uh, they, they 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 suffer from uh, severe health consequences most of them are anemic um, and their wages do not cover um, uh, any you know they they do not cover their expenses at all so what they do is then uh, they cut out uh, they compromise on what kind of foods they can buy uh, so they don't eat very much of nutritious food so this this is some of the things you know that uh, we see uh, it's very visible when we meet them and it's also something that they talk about yeah. to us they are constantly in debt basically they get out of uh, working 15 20 years in this industry with a huge debt and not savings and that does not even uh, let them retire or let them live a retired life in peace that's deepika speaking about what the industry does and its effects on the workers fashion industry especially fashion manufacturing industry comes with a very very uh uh, uh intense say, intense uh, work pressure, work pressure pro- constant high production targets no time to take uh, even like uh, water toilet breaks. breaks or water breaks um and with low wages combine that with low wages debt and back breaking physical hard work their bodies are spent within uh, by the time they turn 45 and it's very rare for us to see uh older uh, older, older uh, garment worker they move on to because they can't keep pace with the uh, factory yeah. uh 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 environment yeah so they move on to doing informal maybe informal work of garment uh, that is be- being paid by piece when they are doing stitching at home uh, or some other kind of domestic work or other kinds of informal work so that is the nature of the industry that it it actually uh, it it takes out from the worker far more than it actually gives to them it also embeds you know inequality because what we see is uh, we see very few garment workers who are who don't you know who are not in the web of multigenerational poverty um i think most of them uh are in multi generational poverty which means their children you know they cannot afford good schooling for their children uh their children are dropouts most of them either drop out of primary school or high school uh they also get uh, um, you know in, involved in petty crimes so and that that cycle the cycle of being you know a generation uh, different generations being in poverty continues very very few garment workers that we have come across who have broken this this cycle uh, for their families What is the nature of the industry the way it works that forces people into such hardship and inhumane conditions This industry is such that it is very labor intensive so it cannot um uh, I mean uh, automate a lot uh so a large number a large workforce is required and a large workforce is required uh, to be very pliable um at at a very low budget uh because you have a uh, fashion trends which uh, are now uh, uh, i mean they are they of course to reach out to customers and to be more affordable and to uh, also uh, make it i don't know i mean they call it democratization of fashion or whatever they they it is it is now um 
um fashion is like uh, the the one of the biggest sellers on social media uh, if you see so what what that has what has that done is to make uh, it it very disposable and very very uh, to be manufactured in a very low budget uh, so now you see fashion cycles of 52 fashion cycles in a year uh, that is new fashion cycles every week or two um and that puts tremendous pressure on the industry to keep churning out disposable very cheap clothing at a very high pace uh and that the industry in turn kind of squeezes the most powerless uh uh, uh constants yes the workers and and they really so and it also goes through a very high peak uh just before festivals and big shopping uh um uh, extravaganzas and then again a low a lull in it so again there is like a lot of overtime a lot of uh, informal work handed out and subcontracted in uh, and made to be done in conditions which we cannot speak of and then uh, a lull where there is a lot of layoff and uh, uh, and and the 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 holiday sometimes we also see that the time that the workers get off in the you know in the off season is then they are made to pay the debt back in during the peak season without any extra pay so i mean basically we are seeing the fashion industry to be a uh, kind of the workers subsidizing the fashion industry to a large large extent by their by their bodies by their uh, their mm-hmm. labor In the second part of this episode I caught up with Rekha to understand how the lockdown has affected scores of garment workers as factories have shut down and exports have ceased. I asked her what the situation is at present 2 weeks into the lockdown. Also, this part of the conversation was recorded over Skype and in some parts the audio isn't quite clear due to network issues. I mean very quickly uh, you know as you know uh, the 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 workers that we are talking about um, especially in supply chains including uh, the garment industry uh, these workers were already exposed to precarious conditions um, they you know they they had unstable contracts uh, long working hours very low wages um, dangerous work and uh, uh, and also you know in many conditions uh, uh, they Uh, they faced uh, what we call as uh, uh, forms of modern slavery or forced labor so now with covid-19 uh, the impacts have deepened uh, so law, you know and there is there is uh, uh, and all of these workers who were anyway vulnerable because of either gender caste uh, age or ethnicity or race or because of their migrant status now um, they are at an increased risk so what we are hearing from our partners um, uh, especially the unions and um, community organizations um, is one is that uh, there is there is uh, a lot of fear about uh, jobs uh, job uh, loss of jobs and livelihood concerns uh, the biggest fear is that ultimately loss of jobs and not having uh, wages and you know uh, not being able to access uh, uh, regular food itself is going to uh, people especially low wage workers uh, than than the coronavirus so there are couple of things one is about um, the awareness of the virus itself and what preventive measures uh, uh, these low wage workers could take i think there's a pressing need for greater dissemination of information regarding symptoms preventions and measures that have to be taken uh, so we we are hearing that uh, uh, you know while while some, some of the workers are aware of some common symptoms whether like whether it's fever cold or cough uh, they are not completely aware about um other symptoms like 
like uh, uh, asymptomatic you know what are uh, that there could be possibilities of asymptomatic carriers as well so so i think there is limited awareness right now and there's a pressing need um, for greater awareness uh, and there is also uh the the issue of uh, job security that i mentioned uh loss of job is is something that workers are extremely scared about uh food security is another big concern because um, increasingly uh, what we are hearing is that uh, uh the the supply of essentials whether it's dry ration or vegetables and fruits that is that is increasingly uh, decreasing and many workers are anticipating that uh, they might not be able to access uh, food or they might not also be able to afford food uh, because already the prices of vegetables and milk and fruits have gone up um and most of these workers usually buy these things from uh, hawkers and street vendors and now they have to get these through shops and the shops are selling them at um, uh, at about you know at a, at a rate which is two or three times higher so that is um, that's also impacting uh, their uh, monthly budgets um and then of course uh, there is there is the big issue of what will happen if factories reopen uh, some some workers are also you know afraid whether whether or not they should go back to work uh, because of the fear of uh, of contracting the virus and if they don't go then what happens uh, to their jobs will it be protected will they be paid salaries um, uh, the factories here uh, uh, assured that they would pay wages for the month of march this full wages but very slowly we are hearing that some of the workers who have reported to the unions that they have been paid wages only for the number of days that they have worked in march which is about 20 days after which there was there was a state lockdown and then there was a national lockdown so we are not entirely sure if they have received full wages it looks like uh, they have not received full wages now now they are scared about what you know what are they going to do in april uh, because most of the garment workers um, are either you know they are single contributors to their family or even if they have partners who are contributing income their partners are either uh, auto rickshaw drivers or vegetable or fruit uh, vendors or basically they are also other low wage workers so even if they have two people earning uh, it's it's not um, it's going to be extremely difficult for them to continue uh, providing food for for their families and for their children and especially nutritious food uh, in you know in the coming months and then of course there's the question of domestic violence because we know from working with the union that uh, many garment workers uh, you know they they especially women workers uh, for them uh, job is also a good you know it provides a spite of 8 hours from any kind of uh, familial tensions that they have whether uh, whether uh, you know uh, if they are facing uh, any kind of uh, intimate partner violence or if they are facing um, other uh, issues at home with their extended relatives and family usually work provides them some kind of a break for 8 hours but now they are locked in they are locked in with their families with with partners and many of them have uh, uh, you know they face domestic violence so uh, so you know you can only imagine what must be going on uh, inside their homes uh, so all of these are some of the you know m- uh, big concerns and then of course migrant workers have their own concerns uh, they are uh, they are locked in factory hostels uh, we really don't know what the living conditions in these hostels are um, even even before the corona virus uh, hit us we knew that uh, in most of the factory hostels um, usually 6 to 7 workers share one room so there is there is a huge concern about social distancing you know how can you how can you maintain social distance when uh, when rooms are so crowded
so the uh, health concerns are growing uh, especially among migrant workers and also whether or not they are able to uh, talk to their family uh, if you know irregularly so all of this um, all of this is uh, you know what we are hearing from the ground from our from our partners as for the brands who are the buyers of manufactured garments what has been their reaction and have they taken any steps to mitigate the crisis keeping in mind the needs and welfare of the workers so one is you know before before the karnataka state government itself announced a lockdown what we had learned uh, from the union is that the factories were uh, providing uh, you know they had they had uh, you know provided some kind of awareness on the coronavirus and some factories had provided masks and hand sanitizers to workers Uh, so that was that was what we heard about factories themselves but from brands we have not heard uh, any kind of any direct commitment as such uh, we have been talking to our partners um, uh, in in uh, you know in different countries and we have been telling them that they have to uh, uh, you know apply pressure so that factories you know don't uh, cancel any kind of orders with suppliers uh, i think that is one thing that we are trying to push for and all our partners have also been pushing for it uh, Uh, but other than that what we have uh, directly heard or read about is that um, in bangladesh uh, at least some of the big brands have already cancelled orders we have not heard anything so far about that in india but um, again there is a fear that it you know brands might eventually cancel orders so that fear uh, exists uh but what we are doing on our end is you know we are talking to our partners and uh, and trying to uh you know apply pressure on brands so as to not uh, withdraw uh, any orders from the suppliers while there's still uncertainty about how brands will react vis-a-vis its suppliers and workers in india what do you reckon should be the appropriate response you know this is really the right time uh, for you know brands and businesses in general uh, to really act on um, all good corporate governance practices uh, we've been talking about corporate uh, accountability and responsible business conduct and what it means um, for corporations you know to to uh, conduct their businesses responsibly i think uh, this is the really the time for them to act on good governance practices and that includes uh, various things uh, for example uh, they should ensure or you know supply chain transparency during this crisis they should disclose factory lists and under the product, you know production sites um, ordering you know their purchasing practices uh, so that uh, you know we are able to identify um, where you know uh, whether uh, decreased or increased orders may impact workers rights uh, they should also uh, avoid worker layoffs um, they should also avoid uh, uh, cancelling orders uh, to suppliers and this is also the time for them to really uh, uh, you know um, uh, have uh, practice social dialogue you know engage with unions workers directly and community groups and civil society organizations to understand and uh, address the needs um, and you know design responses in this crisis so so i think you know broadly these are some of the things that uh, they can do and then of course there are very uh, uh, very concrete things uh, about protecting workers you know who uh, in factories uh, they they should ensure that uh, uh, there there is no uh, termination of contracts by suppliers workers should be paid sick leave uh, and medical leave should be available for them because this is again becoming a huge concern among workers most of the workers believe that once they go back to work um, their medical leave and casual leave will be cancelled. 
cancelled and that they will be asked to do extra hours of work for all the days uh, that has you know that has been lost so this is something that they have to ensure uh, they have to ensure safe working conditions you know uh, by facilitating uh, physical distancing in factories uh, there has to be a proper uh, and there has to be distribution of uh, protective uh, equipment uh, they have to ensure that their suppliers train workers um, on uh, on the coronavirus so all of this um, is something that uh, you know brands should act on and i think finally uh, we've been pushing for uh, for you know more transparent purchasing practices we've been telling that uh, the cost model that brands calculate should include uh, uh, you know the complete cost for uh, sustainable production itself and that means it should include uh, costs like living wages um, and you know uh, uh, and the cost required for uh, social security protection to workers so all of this should be included in their purchasing practices uh, it should not be a race to the bottom and i think this is the time that they need to really uh, act on uh, all the good uh, corporate uh, governance practices they have been promising on with a long term horizon in mind as and when the pandemic subsides and there's return to some kind of normalcy what do you think needs to happen rather change in this sector for the better i mean one is uh, the economy is going to be hurt and uh, you know uh, what we are hearing right now is um, uh both uh you know uh, businesses as well as uh, uh workers you know they have to be bailed out uh, so it's not like uh, small and uh, medium businesses won't be impacted by this uh, so there is there is there is a need for bailing both out but i think ultimately uh, uh this this pandemic also uh should should be uh, a point where all of us think about uh, how uh, the supply chain business model itself needs to be trans- transformed and that is something you know we've been talking about you know not just uh, about uh, uh, responsible business practices in terms of conducting human rights due diligence but there has to be some serious thought given to how the business model itself has to be uh, transformed if if we need to build a more sustainable future Uh, especially for the workers uh, otherwise it's going to be uh, yeah you know i don't i don't think either the governments or or you know businesses will be able to especially the governments you know they'll not be able to uh, respond to pandemics like this there has to be new regulations uh, where businesses um, uh, you know will have to increasingly prioritize public good over just centralized profits uh and i think that conversation uh needs to happen um asap um, otherwise uh, otherwise i think we'll be stuck uh with uh, micro interventions and um, i don't think they're going to be very useful so bigger bigger uh, t- topics like corporate tax you know closing of uh, corporate uh, tax loopholes uh, you know transparency i mean having a transparent supply chain uh, ensuring that uh, there is a flow of profits back into national economy so that national economy economies can invest them uh, invest this money into healthcare and education i think all of this has to be um, uh, you know uh, given we we'll have to think about this so unless there is some serious uh, thought given uh, on uh, some of the basic things like how we live and how we produce um, if we don't rethink about uh, this and if we really don't rethink about transforming business models itself because these business models are uh, the main culprit of why uh workers are in the position that they are in uh, labor intensive uh, supply chains um, unless these models itself don't change um uh, to to ensure that there is sustainable uh, development and production uh, i don't think uh, governments uh, will be you know can can be resilient to pandemics like this
Thanks, Rekha, for this follow-up conversation, especially in the context of COVID-19 and its devastating impact on workers in the garment manufacturing sector. Over the next few weeks, we will continue to focus on the effects of the pandemic and the ensuing lockdown on the most marginalized and vulnerable sections of the population from the lens of decent work and dignity of labor. If you liked listening to our show, then please like it, subscribe to it, and share it. Thank you once again. This is your host, Sri Radhakrishnan, signing off. Until next time. This podcast was produced with the financial support of the European Union. Its contents are the sole responsibility of Oxfam India and do not necessarily reflect the views of the European Union. To know more about responsible business conduct, visit www.responsiblebiz.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at bizresponsible.